Al Jazeera podcast. Can an initiative by Algeria end the crisis in neighboring Niger? The Algerians are proposing a six-month transition period from military to civilian rule, while other African countries are threatening coup leaders with military intervention. So, how much leverage does Algeria have to push its initiative forward? I'm Mohamed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests. In London is Alexis Akwajiram, managing editor at the news website Semaphore Africa. In Abuja, capital of Nigeria, is Kabir Adamu, managing director at Beacon Consulting. That's a security risk management and intelligence provider in Nigeria and the Sahel region. And in Saint-Malo in France, we have Jacques Reland, senior research fellow at the Global Policy Institute think tank. A warm welcome to you all. And thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Kabir, let me start with you today. From your vantage point, does this initiative by Algeria to end the crisis in Niger actually have a chance at succeeding? I mean, do you think that the coup leaders in Niger would welcome Algeria's plan? Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. so from the side of um, ECOWAS, um, it appears to me that this is uh, an opportunity for a soft London um, since the July 26 coup d'etat, uh, ECOWAS attempt to find um, a solution as it were and to restore democratic uh, constitutional order in Niger has more or less failed. And uh, ECOWAS is at the, at the point where it's looking weak. Um, the last statement that came out of the uh, chairman of the ECOWAS commission did indicate uh, that ECOWAS would um, contemplate some, some form of um, transition um, program And so if Algeria is coming up with um, this uh, shorter uh, period than the one that was put forward by the junta in Niger, then it's it, it, it most likely that ECOWAS would um, listen to this, although there are several um, determinants that would be at play. For instance, the position that the chairman of um, ECOWAS, that the Nigerian president, has taken, uh, the insistence, for instance, on, on a military intervention and um, the fact that the junta itself has consistently not uh, proven to be a trustworthy party in um, negotiations like this. So all of this would determine how Ecuador would say respond to this Algerian um, you know, solution that has been put forward. Alexis, uh, Kabir there was talking about ECOWAS, the regional bloc of West African states. And I want to ask you a similar question. From your perspective, uh, how seriously will the Algerian initiative be taken by ECOWAS? And, and how much weight does Algeria carry in all of this? I think this will be taken extremely seriously by ECOWAS. Um, I think it's exactly right that this is offering a soft landing, because ultimately... ECOWAS does not want to follow through on this suggestion of military intervention. And equally, ECOWAS doesn't want to seem weak. So it's in a really awkward position. And this offers an opportunity. Now, it will be taken seriously because Algeria shares a border with Niger. So this is Algeria offering a solution. And Algeria has a plausible reason to actually care and follow through. Um, so that really helps, because then they can be a decent broker between the position of ECOWAS, and then they don't necessarily seem to be aligned to France, but they do care, because Algeria has said repeatedly that it would not support any form of military 
intervention. And it's in their best interest because they do not want this to escalate. They do, do not want any form of necessary uh, conflict, any kind of unnecessary action and conflict on their doorstep. Uh, so Jacques, Kabir and Alexis have been talking the last few minutes about how ECOWAS uh, will react to this proposal by Algeria. But let me ask you, how likely is it that France would sign on to this initiative? I think France would support it already uh, because for two reasons. First, uh, President Tiboun of Algeria and Macron get on well in spite of the, the conflicts that they have over many issues. But they get on well, they of, often speak. And uh, they already, a few years ago, uh, in their last meeting when uh, Tiboun and uh, Macron met, they talked about the role that Algeria should play in stabilizing the situation in the Sahel. And France thinks that in that case, uh, Algeria would be an honest broker because Algeria, as uh, was said, has a big border with, uh, with Niger, and Algeria certainly doesn't want to have a war on its doorstep. There's already, already Algeria is very concerned about the trouble in Mali in, and in, uh, in Niger. They, they are very worried about the jihadist group. Don't forget that Algeria suffered in the 90s from uh, radical Islamists with the FSC. So they are very sensitive to that issue. And they think that a war in that region would benefit only the jihadist group who could take advantage of the fact that the Nigerian army, for example, will be busy repelling uh, invaders and so on. So, uh, and we've, they've already noticed that in a country like Mali, uh, the jihadist progress is very strong since the French have left. And another point also is that Algeria has very good relationship with Russia. 90% uh, of the military equipment in Algeria is from Russian origin. So they really think that Algeria would be the ideal, uh, the, the ideal uh, country to try to bring a solution, a negotiated solution to this imbroglio mm. in Niger. Uh, Kabir, if we are considering France's role in all of this going forward, we have to mention that the coup leaders in Niger have accused ECOWAS of being in France's pocket. So I want to ask you how much uh, that has the potential to complicate all of these efforts to come up with a diplomatic solution. So um, already uh, we've, we've listened to reactions from civil society organizations that are actually close to the junta in, in Niger uh, to this development. Most of them uh, criticizing the development, suggesting that Algeria is standing on the fence. Um, just like has been mentioned, Algeria has maintained a neutral stand. It's, it's said clearly that it does respect demo um, democratic governance. Um, and to that extent, it's supportive of President Bazoum. But it has also given um, this leeway, as it were, to the junta to allow them a transition period for, uh, say, six months. So civil society organizations are condemning this, this stance. Uh, they would have preferred a situation where Algeria, um, you know, supports um, the junta, especially with regards to the junta's strong stance against France. And I think this is the deciding element. The, uh, most Nigerians are united, as it were, regarding um, their condemnation of France's post-colonial policies. And so that's the very tricky line that 
Algeria will have to play. Now, how it does that vis-a-vis ECOWAS' desire to restore democracy and to this continue this uh, the, the, the coup, um, you know, uh, wave that is going through West West Africa would be a very uh, difficult um, balancing act. But like has been mentioned, Algeria has all the credentials to play that role um, mm. if it's supported by other regional powers, the U.S., um, France, as an example, which mm. sadly will have play a very um, a backseat and not not um, a forward uh, position, as it were. Uh, Alexis, uh, Niger's coup leaders uh, have called for a transitional period that lasts, uh, I believe they said, uh, at most three years. Uh, and I want to ask you uh, about this, um, because Algeria's plan mentions a six-month transitional period. So when it comes to that specific uh, point of contention, um, would the coup leaders in Niger potentially agree to a shorter timeline when it comes to transition? I think it's entirely possible that they would agree to it. I think the, um, their opening offer of a three-year period of transition is a negotiation position. They are looking at where they can start from and then maybe reduce from there, but they want it to be as ambitious as possible. I mean, I think we should always keep sight of how this all started. This was an opportunistic coup whereby it appears that the head of the presidential guard was going to be pushed out. So then from there, it has snowballed and they're in this position but, I mean, ultimately, they'll want to find some kind of middle ground. So I don't think they'll necessarily be ideologically driven and believe that they have to push through on three years. And then at least they can find some form of compromise solution. Also, it's worth bearing in mind that these sanctions that are being imposed on Niger are going to keep on biting. It's not going to get easier. So they will want to resolve this because on several indices, Niger is one of the poorest countries in the world. Now... The price of goods, particularly foodstuffs, is going up constantly. Food inflation is going to go through the roof. It is already. And then uh, electricity has been shut down as well, electricity coming from Nigeria. So that's all going to increase the pressure on the junta because over time, support for them will wane. So they'll want to wrap this up. And that's why I don't think they're going to stick to it has to be three years when they could compromise and move closer to the six months being suggested by Algeria. Uh, Jacques, I want to step back for a moment and look at another complicating factor when it comes to uh, France's role in all of this, because the coup leaders in Niger gave France's ambassador to Niger 48 hours to leave the country, but President Emmanuel Macron announced that the ambassador will remain in Niger. So from your vantage point there in France, I mean, how much does that have the potential to um, make the situation potentially worse going forward? But France has a wait-and-see attitude in that uh, in that matter. Uh, they don't want to give in to the junta. They're capitalizing on the fact that maybe the population will begin to get worried about the impact of the sanction, as the previous speaker said, uh, because there's a, a humanitarian crisis is developing there. There are some dissensions, apparently, in the junta. Not everyone agrees on the way forward. They also uh, will propose a, a point, the fact that this coup was a bit strange because the situation in Niger under President Bazoum was getting better in economic and security terms, and he was democratically elected. So they think that 
they think that maybe the people in uh, Niger will ask, what is the junta bringing to the plate? What is it giving me? What is it offering me? And we don't see anything that the junta could provide except surfing on the populist uh, anti-French feelings, which, which has been uh, actually uh, activated and promoted by Russia in the region. So what are they giving? And in that sense, the idea that they have chosen. I, mean, I was surprised. I thought that maybe the junta would want to clo uh, uh, shorter uh, mm. transition period. And that's why I think they should agree on the, the six months period. Because mm. they have now, uh, they are immediately appointed uh, a new president, uh, President uh, Lamin Zayn, who is a reasonable person, well known in uh, economic and Western circles, who inspires confidence. So, mm. I think that responding to the demands, the reasonable proposal made by Algeria would preserve. Otherwise, I, I think they will face a rebellion. We don't know. You know, mm. uh, Niger is a bit close. We don't know the feelings of the population exactly. We don't know what's happening. We know what's happening in Niamey. But I looked at the big meeting in the stadium there. The stadium wasn't full. So we don't know whether they're riding on a wave of popular support mm -hmm. or whether what's happening in the country. And from where I stand, I can't, I can't say. Uh, Alexis, I, I saw you reacting quite a bit to what Jacques was saying there, and it looked like you wanted to jump in. So I'm going to go ahead and give you that opportunity. Well, I mean, I was just saying, ultimately, yes, it's clear that the sanctions are going to increasingly bite. And I think at the moment, what the junta has done is they've ri ridden a wave. They've ridden a wave of popular anti-French sentiment and, more broadly speaking, anti-Western sentiment. But the window of opportunity is closing for them. And with time, these sanctions are going to bite more and more. And there is a danger that the people of Niger will turn on them because life is getting hard. It's also clear that... Um, Bazoum was doing well when it comes to fighting the Islamist insurgents operating in the country, those insurgents that are loyal to both al-Qaeda on the one hand and then also those who are loyal to um, Islamic State. So, with time, the longer the junta stays in power and the more you see the sanctions biting, people's quality of living really going down, and then they have problems with the insurgents, then it gets harder and harder for the junta. Now, we've seen that with Mali, for example, um, they found it increasingly difficult to deal with their insurgencies. So it's likely that the junta will take a leaf out of the book that's happened with Mali and just think about how they can find a solution, find some kind of path to accept some kind of compromise solution. Uh, Kabir, both uh, Jacques and Alexis mentioned in the last few minutes the anti-French sentiment in Niger. I want to ask you, um, where was anti-French sentiment uh, in Niger before the coup compared to where it is now? Um, so, I mean, it was palpable before the coup. And, um, you know, I operate in Niger, and you could uh, feel that, that wave. And I, just to correct the point, um, it's not uh, specific to Niamey. It's all over the country. And it's the existence of the average Nigerian, the level of poverty, the deprivation that he or she goes through, and then sadly the role of um, the social media that has portrayed um, live in France, as it were, compared to live in Niger, 
uh, and not necessarily the, the the contribution of bad governance um, in Niger and perhaps even in surrounding countries that may have impacted in that. All of all of what the propaganda, the misinformation, the disinformation pointed to was the rule of France, especially in the extraction of minerals and the so-called um, sharing formula around that. So it was palpable. Now, what the junta did is they realized the enormity of that resentment, and they've been riding on it. I think a previous um, speaker spoke around that. And that has been what has really sustained them. Uh, the unison around most Nigerians is this fact that the, the junta, so most Nigerians are not seeing the coup as an opportunistic coup. They are seeing it as a rejection of post um, France's post-colonial um, policies in, in Niger. And I think going forward, um, this is what Juventa has tried to put um, ahead and make sure they rally support around. Yeah, I mean, there are pockets of resistance here and there, but sadly you're not hearing them. Uh, so, Kabir, let me also follow up with you, because you, you're talking about the junta in Niger uh, utilizing anti-French sentiment uh, to their advantage. Uh, leaders of the coup there also say that their support is growing stronger at home. Uh, how much support do you figure they actually have in Niger? Where does public opinion stand, as far as you can tell? So there are indicators that would tell us where we are. Um, immediately after the coup in the, the um, public spaces, the stadium in particular, where protests were being held, you would see the stadium full to capacity. Now, the one month um, marking, as it were, of the coup, which was in or was on August 26th, that, that stadium was not full. And it may be a reflection of the um, effect of the sanctions on Niger. It may be a reflection of the reality of the average Nigerian. There are two factors that have emerged the effects of the um, sanctions, economic sanctions, and then the inability of the junta, as it were, to improve on security. We've seen several attacks in, in parts of Niger by um, insurgent groups, and sadly, the Nigerian military has suffered from those attacks. So most Nigerians, are, Nigerians rather, are beginning to ask that question. That question. Um, now, uh, at the moment, uh, there, are, there, there are several um, narratives that have come up. Some, of course, riding around this anti-French sentiment are supportive of the junta. But another group is also saying, look, what has the junta brought on board? All we're seeing is the effect on the sanctions. They've not put forward any alternative position, especially in terms of how they intend to manage better the resources that, that um, Niger, Niger has. So mm -hmm. clearly, um, the, the, the support that they've generated at the beginning of the coup is beginning to wane. How mm -hmm. far that and what pressure it will add on them, uh, time would, only time would tell. Uh, Jacques, uh, let me ask you about one more specific part of the initiative by Algeria. Algeria says that they would also seek a United Nations conference to restore constitutional order, propose guarantees for all sides in the crisis, and to host a conference on development in the Sahel region. Is that something you can actually see happening going forward? <laughs> that would be nice if it could happen. Uh, I don't know whether it can be, can be done with everyone, because in this region there's so many. You know, this region has become a playground for kind of a, uh, the struggle between regional powers, and also we know that the whole of Africa, not just the Sahel, is seen as a treasure treasure chest, and everyone wants a piece of the action there. Uh, all the world powers are present there, so. 
could you have a conference where everybody comes to the table feeling genuine with a genuine desire to uh, solve the situation? I'm not sure, especially there's also another dimension to the conflict is the anti-West uh, dimension, which is being played out there. You know, there's a, a challenge all over the world. Uh, we see, we saw the reaction of uh, many African countries to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You can see that there's a growing challenge in uh, the rest of the world, not just you know, in Asia, in South America, to the Western order as it was established after World War II. So uh, the fact that could they, they adopt a multilateral, well-meaning approach, I'm not too sure in the current climate, because it seems that the role of many powers seems to be to want to destabilize the Sahel rather than stabilize it. Uh, Alexis, I, I want to ask you more specifically about how concerned Algeria is about the potential of spillover uh, for, of violence from Niger if a military confrontation takes place going forward. I mean, how much could fighting in Niger destabilize the region? And how much might it bolster armed groups linked to al-Qaeda and ISIL that operate in the Sahel region? Oh, it could massively destabilize the region. I think that's why Algeria is taking this so seriously. I mean, the longer this goes on, and if there was any form of conflict, uh, any form of military intervention, the only beneficiaries would be the insurgents. Um, because already you, we've seen this in Mali and in Burkina Faso, and we're seeing it in Niger. Their armies are already stretched. And Nigeria's army is stretched as well. Nigeria's army is stretched. Um, with internal issues around um, so-called banditry, kidnap for ransom in the northwest, uh, their long-standing Islamist insurgency in the northeast, and I mean, various other conflicts such as secessionists in the southeast. So, if all of those armies were involved in some kind of uh, military in intervention, some form of conflict, they're all being distracted, they're already stretched, and the insurgencies will only get worse. And Algeria realises this. And Algeria already has the bitter experience of seeing the spillover from the fall of Gaddafi in Libya and NATO's intervention there. So they know that no good ultimately will come of this. It will only destabilise the region. It won't make the region any more stable. And that's why they're taking it so seriously. And, Kabir, if we're talking about destabilization and spillover of violence, we must also mention the humanitarian aspect to all of this. And I want to ask you, from your vantage point, what kind of humanitarian crisis might we see if fighting does break out in Niger? Um, so, I mean, the UN has spoken already around that. Um, I think the last statement by UNICEF indicated that about 2 million um, children would be at risk of starvation already. Uh, and this is just because of the effect of the sanctions um, on, on Niger by, by ECOWAS. Now, if this degenerates into a war, a military intervention, uh, you can imagine the impact it would have on the 25 million um, population in Niger. Plus, the several um, re I, refugees and others from Nigeria and other neighboring countries that are in Niger. I mean, we're already monitoring reports, which is a little bit strange, that in spite of the circumstances in Niger, you still have refugees from other countries coming into Niger at the moment. So clearly, um, the humanitarian consequence of the military intervention is going to be huge in a region that is already suffering from different conflicts. 
All right, well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Alexis Aquajiram, Kabir Adamu, and Jacques Relan. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Katya Lopez-Odoyan, Fung Inouin, and Jim Gilchrist. Studio sound was by Hasib Hashmi. The program was edited by Anir Bansarkar, Zainab Badr, Khaled Sultan, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Thursday for our next episode. This week on The Take, a busy week for former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan as his legal fortunes rise and fall again. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.